You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Andrew and Paul are here tonight. Get you a quick little intro rundown for this week's episode. Paul, how are you doing, man? Well, I'm doing all right, man. I, I'm, I'm back in Ohio. It's been it's a long, dang, man, almost two full weeks. Uh, in Florida, my voice is still a little scratchy. I don't, I don't know what I picked up something down there. So getting better, but no, man. I saw four Osceolas hit the dirt last week, last couple of days. So that's good, good week, good way to start the turkey season. Yeah, man, you guys are on it. You got yours. We, I think we talked about that, but the uh, yeah. man, you just you're out there with other people from down there and around the country, right? Or yeah, so I. I the first day of, and I'm using this term very loosely, guiding, um, I was with Mike Pentecost from Woodhaven, uh, his son Isaac, uh, Mike's friend Philip and uh and Dylan, who did Philip and Dylan did did some video work. Dylan got to shoot a turkey, Isaac got to shoot to shoot a turkey. So uh, you know, Mike and I we we talk quite a bit and he's just like, Man, I, that guy's killed a ton of turkeys. He he wants to get his son, you know, and 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 Get him a you know a nice royal slam this year, and it was cool, man. It was really neat to 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 see them. What uh, is, what and, is a royal slam? 
So Royal Slam is is so the four main subspecies, so the Osceola, the Eastern, the Merriams, the Rio Grande, and then the fifth subspecies that we have in the U.S., uh, just in small spots, but mostly in Mexico, is the Gould's turkey. So that's a Royal Slam. What's a Grand so, Slam? Like, or the, is there Grand Slam is just the first, the first four, four. Osceola, Easterns, Rios, and Merriams. Okay. And then you have the Goulds, and that gets you your Royal Slam. That's what that's considered. So Isaac's chasing that this year, and it was really neat. I, I helped. I, I was the facilitator, I guess, for the Osceola uh, portion of that. So it's actually a double Royal Slam. So he's going to kill two of all of those turkeys. That's his, that's his plan. So, but it was really neat, man, being, being in the woods with those guys and, and being around like a guy like Mike Pentecost, who was a world champion caller. I mean, he's one of the best in the, in the entire country at, at friction calling, which is what I do most of the time. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I learned. I learned more in five hours with Mike Pentecost than I have in 15 years in the Turkey Woods. Did you master, that, you master that diaphragm call yet? No, he didn't even mess with those things. So no? I like, and I, 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 I have no interest in putting, using a mouth call. Yeah, it was really cool. And disappointed. then, and then my, my friend Duke came down from New York and, and we were, uh, and I was, it was just Duke and I on that hunt. And, uh, that was a really neat hunt. Same, same farm in florida uh we had scouted a couple days before found some turkeys in the area we had two two toms goblin hard and limb hit the ground they had three hens with them which is normally like that's that's really hard to combat and they kept working across this field like like just walking through and the day before uh with mike he we'd had some hen pressure and the way that he called on this little cluck and purr pot that woodhaven makes uh, and just the the way that he called and how he called, how often, how aggressive, I latched onto that. I'm like, that's amazing. And I I just replicated that and do those turkeys. It took about 20 minutes to pull off those hens. They were just like, wow, we can't do it. We can't. We have to go see what's going on over here. And so these two these two big old times, I posted uh, some videos to TikTok and Instagram and go wild of this turkey gobbling after we had shot his friend. Uh, and and it's like sixty five degrees, but it was the dew point was crazy. The, the 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 fog was intense, and this turkey gobbles, and you can see like the breath coming. It looks like a fire breathing dragon. It was really neat. So, uh, yeah, got that done for Duke. That was really cool, man. What a week that was. Neat. I saw that video pop up. That was pretty sweet. So, yeah, it was it was wild. Well, so, good man. Yeah, check check that out. Congrats on a successful trip. And uh, thank you, man. Yeah, I'm pr- proud of you, Paul proud of you one way kick up the season the so, right way as i say yeah i don't have a whole lot to report from the great of outdoors i'm trying to think i probably did something i'm still getting ready for this trip which kind of uh we'll get into that in a second but let's go through real quick and thank you to our partners half rack half dash rack.com paul we just got our hands on some hunter hangers uh, so these are the one of the new products they launched kind of cool you just screw it into the wall and it can hang all kinds of stuff so up to 50 pounds gear bows bags all sorts of stuff it's pretty neat yeah not super like we were discussing a little bit ago there's there's a lot of things out there you can hang stuff from hooks and different things but they're not tacky looking it's not a nail like it actually looks no it's well done so uh they sell it is yeah i like it pack of two or pack of ten bunch of different colors uh check out those guys we have a code for them paul Uh oh i should have had that ready if you go on their site and buy from them our code is Ohio Outdoors 15. So let's get you 15, right, yeah, 15% right off. 
Not a bad deal. That's a pretty good deal, man. 15% off. There you go. Hunter Hanger. They got the meat lug coming out here in a few weeks. What, mid-June? Something like that. Super, uh, yeah, that super stoked. You can, yeah. What's that? Super stoked for that one. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Boonsling, that's my favorite thing that they sell. Uh, that that gunsling is, is is pretty neat. So thanks to those guys, half-rack.com. You can find them on Go Wild. Find them on Instagram. So uh, thanks to our friends at Go Wild. We're just talking about it. They got a ton of stuff for turkey season. Check them out. Time to go wild.com. Download go wild.com. You can find the app on Apple or Android. Find us on there. O2 Podcast, Paul Campbell. Uh, man, they got some really neat stuff for the turkey hunter uh, this spring. Some really cool articles, too. How to's, gear setups, really good information. You got the really cool community. You sign up, you get $10 off your first order. And there still is time, I believe, to enter. If you join Go Wild, you entered into the UTV giveaway, which is a sick, like forty thousand dollars get up. Uh, if you're, so you can send your code to people or your link to people, and I think that also enters you if they join. Whatever, totally worth the sign on there. Um, let's see, we've got Midwest Gunworks. Uh, so thanks to Cameron and the folks out there for being a supporter of our show they are your one-stop shop there for all kinds of gun stuff ammo parts pieces uh, accessories guns and they the customer service outstanding sweet operation out there they got it going on they've been selling stuff online since before that was cool and uh, they got a really nice website to uh, get you headed down the right way so Check them Ohio out. Outdoors 5. Save yourself 5% on your purchase. Yep. What else we got? First Light. We saw all your First Light gear when you were out there killing those turkeys. So they- Yeah, I'll tell you what that, man. I said last week that wick, short sleeve wick hoodie with the leafy phantom suit in that hot weather during during turkey season, man, that, that is a lifesaver. It really, it really is. Yeah. So, and early deer, be, deer season. I mean, there were days, dude, it was 90 degrees when I was hunting. Yep. hot 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 muggy florida weather man that thing the thing really really did save the day so hot 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 hot, hot. i don't know it's some what is that i don't know uh oh, I it was in yeah, celebrity jeopardy i think if it's not know. cold it's hot, hot hot i don't know and you remember that skit <laughs> on saturday Night live i do not uh, no i'll have to i'll have to youtube it next road trip I'm, buddy I'm next road trip we come to see glenn there we go we see go. glenn we're gonna watch it on the way up there yeah all right, so last partner that we got here is X-Vision, right? And so this is what our, our talk today is going to be about. And try to put this in a nutshell because I would do recap some of it during the show. It was uh, me and uh, Paul was out slaying turkeys, so I was the interviewer. Um, and we talked to... I got you guys when i read your last the last name it's going to be like you see why it's taking me a second to find this i want to try sawyer to... that's his first name yeah. we'll get that out of the way sawyer, sawyer. from x-vision sawyer from x-vision last name follow we'll let, we'll let him pronounce it don't even try to <laughs> try to do it I, that's how we started the show so i should just let that go yeah, um, there you go sawyer from x-vision great guy but here's the deal so x-vision is in the thermal optics business they also do some night vision stuff but as he'll talk, that night vision kind of world, I think it's IR is considered the same thing as, as night vision. That's tapped out, right? So the future is in the thermals. It's picking up heat and being able to see you know, things in the dark, that kind of stuff. 
he gives you all the specs. He goes through the, the visible spectrum and all that kind of stuff. So if you're really ready to geek out on that, here you go. For my pea brain, this is a new piece of equipment on top of a gun that, uh, you know, trying to get it sighted in and, and mess with the technology in there. They've got a pretty simple platform. Like it's not hard to, to figure out. The product is, is very user-friendly. I posted my one shot with, uh, at the groundhog that was awesome and get, I mean, you can record it to your phone, all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's not a standard optic. It's not a piece of glass. It is literally a computer screen that is doing all this. And it's, uh, it's sweet, man. It's really, it cool. is. It is sweet. It looks real wild. And the, the technology of thermals, like he'll talk about it, but the potential there, I mean, it's, it's going to continue to grow. Um, you know, when we were messing around with it up there in Michigan, Paul, it was like walk across the, the hardwood floor and you could see the prints of your feet. Like the heat yeah. just still left on the ground. It's just insane. It's insane. Um, so it's very cool. Uh, let me yeah. get you, let's get the uh, website pulled up here. Xvisionoptics.com. Yeah, so if, you're, if you're hunting coyotes or boar, pigs, groundhogs, coon, something, I mean, that, that thing's, that thing's going to be a, a, a really good addition to your rifle setup. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got other things, just sights, you know, binoculars, monoculars, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we didn't, I don't think we really covered it. I want to get the guy on someday, but the drone deer guy, uh, recovery who's out of Ohio, um, you know, he uses the thermal on his drone to find the heat from the deer. You know, it, it's just really cool technology. It's kind of that next, next greatest thing, uh, that we, well, we've been introduced to. So, if this isn't your thing, as far as night hunting, coyotes, hogs, any of that kind of stuff, I'd still sell you to give it a listen because it's an interesting science and I have no idea where it'll go down the road, but uh, definitely something that's very, very interesting. So. And to your point, they do, they, the X-Vision, they do, they have, they have a bunch of range finding binoculars and range finders and regular binoculars. They got, they got quite a selection of products. So yeah. they got some cool stuff. Very cool. So check them out. Xvisionoptics.com. Uh, like I said, we got the show here with Sawyer. Um, this is part of a part of this show is is well. I'll hopefully be able to report back to you next week. I'm going to take a little trip down t- down south to visit our friend John Hudspeth from the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. Um, Nick, I think Nick Otto is coming down uh, the hunt of war. So we're going to do some some hog hunting down there. I think I might swing by in, in Missouri. No, I know I'm swinging by in Missouri to hang out with Andy and Micah and go see if we can. Round up some coyotes out there. And uh, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we can come back with some good stories and hopefully some good videos to show of, of what these optics actually can do. So pretty excited. Yeah, man. Good luck with that. That's going to be a ton of fun. I wish I was going. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm excited. We'll put it that way. So I got a lot to do before I go, but such is life, right? So anywho. Yes, it is. Uh, oh, do we get we got any news around the state, Paul? Look at me, just all. Yeah, there was a couple things that we had talked about, but I don't think there's anything. Okay, we'll go real quick. Read your read your rule book, right? <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, future foresters camp canopy registration is open. So ODNR uh, Division of Forestry is looking for new future foresters, biologists, and conservation leaders for tomorrow. So if you've completed the eighth grade, you're eligible for this. This is kids. Uh, students getting into any of those type of, uh, you know, career paths and they want to take some time. Uh, it'll be June 11th to 16th. 
It is at FFA Camp Muskingum on Leesville Lake in Carroll County. Um, That's pretty country out there, man. Oh yeah. So it sounds like it'd be a good, I you know, good place to if you're interested in that. You got kids interested in that. Get them down there, see what they can uh, get into, and uh, build that that desire to enter, you know, the uh, outdoors careers. So. The other thing I had, Paul, volunteers needed for the Ohio Sandhill Crane Survey. So a volunteer-driven Sandhill Crane Survey to locate breeding birds in Ohio uh, will be Saturday, April 15th. If you go to ODNR's website, you can find more about this. Um, they're coordinate, coordinating this project as part of the Midwest Crane Count with the International Crane Foundation and the Ohio Bird Conservation Initiative. Um, so the this year, the counts will occur in these counties. I'm going to read them off. There's a lot. So you probably aren't too far away um, from any given one. But Ashland, Columbiana, Delaware, Erie, Franklin, Fulton, Geauga, Hardin, Holmes, Knox, Lake, Licking, Logan, Lorraine, Lucas, Mahoney, Marion, Morrow, Ottawa, Pickaway, Portage, Richland, Sandusky, Stark, Summit, Trumbull, Wayne, Williams, and Wyandotte. If you would like to go out and count Sandhill Cranes, you can do that in one of those counties. Um, so go to check out ODNR's uh, website, ohiodnr.gov, and there is more information there. Counting the birds, Paul. I saw a bunch bunch of cranes down in Florida. Yeah. Breeding. I saw little baby cranes running around. It's kind of cool. You know, the other thing that, that was really weird, and, and we're, we're going to get off track here just a little bit. Uh, when I was down there, I saw... A fawn with spots in Florida, like a brand new baby deer just hanging out in the second week of March. Like, how crazy is that? I guess that's just their their time to to breed down there. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I feel like- this. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you a picture right now. We're making great radio here, but <laughs> I feel, um, I feel like I've yeah, heard so- this, but they their season is open like nine months of the year. Their fall turkey season starts the last, like, July 28th. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, they got different. It's just different, I guess, everything. So, I I saw bucks in velvet down there. That sure is a doe with spots. It's a fawn with spots. spots, How crazy is that? Who knew? And I'm sure, you know, the guys down in Florida are just like, yeah, so what about it? Gator bait. Gator bait. It's a bunch of those suckers. Yeah, you can keep that. Anywho, we will get to our show here with uh, Sawyer from Exhibition. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you. We appreciate everything, reviews, uh, you know, comments, interactions with us. Keep it up. Oh, yeah. Keep it up. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Especially as we get into Turkey and and the walleye start running and different things. Share pictures with us and we'll, uh, we'll pump them out there. So we appreciate you. Yeah, good stuff. Have a great week, everybody. All right, so today on the line, I've got Sawyer. And Sawyer is from X Vision. Sawyer, I am not going to try to butcher your last name. Uh, do you want to <laughs> give that to everybody uh, and yeah. tell us about yourself? 
Ballins be DeLong. Ballins be DeLong. What, so, is, what is the background of that last name? Where's it come from? I I mean, we've been in America a long time, and I don't think you get 16 letters in your last name unless you're some kind of mutt. So <laughs> I would assume it is a combination of a lot of different heritages and a lot of people just putting letters together at some point and creating what is my last name now. So <laughs> That's great. No, I was talking to, with Glenn, and I was like, all right, I I, I have no idea and he rattled it off and I'm just like oh, yep okay we'll say that. it's it's fairly phonetic it just again you look at it it's fairly intimidating so awesome. I get it and I've heard it pronounced a thousand different ways so I wouldn't feel bad about it yeah so well Sawyer what's your position over at Xvision so I am the national sales manager so dealing primarily with the reps the big box accounts um, and then buy groups and all the dealers and stuff like that as well but Obviously, here I am on a marketing side of it, so we are fairly flexible here at Xvision Optics. There you go. And Xvision, you guys been around for a while? Or is this new? You new to the game, or how's? Tell me about the company. Yep. So we're a little over eight years old in total. Um, I've been with the company going on close to five years now. So we had a we had an ownership change just shy of three years ago. Um, so I was working with a couple other lines at the time as the national sales manager there. And then Chris and Rich, um, our owners now bought out the remaining percentage of the company back in 20, uh, yeah, end of 2019, they bought the first chunk and then the end of 2020, they bought the second chunk. So, and then I came with it. So, but <clears throat> yeah, I, did that answer your yeah. question? Oh, yeah, yeah. So okay. did you guys start in the thermal thermal world or? No. Nope. So digital IR was pretty much our bread and butter um, for the first handful of years. Um, so infrared binoculars, stuff like that. Um, the digital side makes it a, a lot more cost effective, a little more um, clear and some more options in terms of picture record and stuff like that. So that, that did very well with us. Um, as we grew with that, we added some more traditional optics to our lineup um, within, you know, for a couple years with range finders, red dots, um, stuff like that. Um, and we started getting into the thermals. So 20, at the end of 2021 was our, yeah, it was our launch into thermals. And we launched with a thermal reflex, a thermal scope and a thermal monocular. Um, and then have yeah just grown and added from there. But yeah, thermal and infrared technology is is where we'll stay and definitely our bread and butter. And so this for me and Paul and Paul's not able to join us today. He's still off in his turkey rendezvous. Um, <laughs> we were kind of introduced to this last year up at Deer Camp, and uh, I I guess I've heard the idea. Uh, never really thought much about it, considered it, anything like that. I've listened and talked to the guys out at the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. They do a lot of coyote hunting. They're big uh, on the thermal stuff. But it's after having time to play around with the scope and, and, and whatnot, it's it's very different. And it's not your standard optic. It's not... Um, you know, like anything I've ever really used before. It's almost like a video game. And I, I jokingly have told people it's like that stepbrothers, uh, you know, line in the movie where they're like, what'd be better if you had this when you're 16, it's better when yeah. you have it when you're 40, you know, 
but it's like night vision. And, and, and when we were up in Michigan, we had that bear that just kept circling the cab and it was like, well, we could see him. There's Terry. He's walking yeah. back and forth. And, and it's all this stuff that, you know, it, it's a video game like almost. And, and it's just not something that, you know, I ever thought I would have the ability to, to utilize. Um, so I don't know, man, it's, uh, we're going to talk about this scope, um, that we're going to take down to hunt hogs here in a, in a week or so, I guess. Um, Less than a week, eh? Less than a week. So I don't know. What's the what's the science behind this? Because it isn't your traditional optic. It's not a piece of glass with, you know, a couple dials go up and down and left and right and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and there's I mean, there's a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot of moving parts there, right? Um, you know, just a touch base on your first notes with feeling like a kid again. It it is you know, you, it, unless you've played with thermals before, right, you look at the price tags and you go, this is crazy, doesn't make any sense. The second you start using one or try one out, it it is it is kind of a mind-blowing, you know, I did not think this was possible or, you know, yeah, you're back in the Predator versus Alien movies and stuff like that, right, except you can actually kill pigs, coyotes, and whatnot with it. Um, and there's a lot more applications too with tracking scouting scanning i mean even we have a lot of you know farm and home guys um for cattle livestock um you know electric fences checking fence lines and stuff like that i mean you can see studs in exterior walls i mean for the first like when we got our first prototypes in i just watched my dogs run around the carpet in my house and you can see those details in their paw pad you know the prints that they leave behind for minutes and minutes it's it is it is pretty cool but the the science behind it, I guess the the best, and I don't want to say the easiest way to kind of understand where it's at is, you know, if you if you take our light spectrum, right, and I'll kind of touch base on the IR side, and don't quote me on these exact numbers because I'm a sales guy, right? So, but like our visual light spectrum, and it's going to be measured in nanometers, um, which is just your wavelengths, right? But our visual light spectrum is going to happen, you know, somewhere between like 100 nanometers and say 250 nanometers, right? And that's where we'll have the different um, colors come into play, right? And then pretty much at 250 nanometers is where that that red is taking over. So like some of our thermal products have, you know, quick target acquisition lasers or lasers built in as an actual laser pointer. Um, but like those are going to be running like 650 nanometers, right? So you're, you're, taken over in that light side of the spectrum and you're getting farther down that spectrum and then like ir so a lot of a lot of like our competitors ir on the digital side so you're outputting a an ir light you're outputting a light it's on that light spectrum it's just past our visual like mammals cannot pick it up and it does nothing for us essentially right so as we get farther away from our visual light spectrum of that 100 to 250 you have, you know, actual lasers around 600, give or take, right? And then IR, most people run like 850 nanometer lights on them. And that's, you can see a small red hue coming out because that 900 nanometers is where we can't see anything. No red, no no nothing, no light, whatever, right? And that's pretty, pretty consistent for mammals across the board. Um, like our scope, our IR scope will run 940 nanometers. So you get a little bit clearer of an image. I should say a lot clearer of an image, but also it's it's completely invisible. And that's like you take, even you took like a digital IR binocular, took a strong IR light and, you know, scanned it across a field in pitch black. It's it's going to look just like a big mag light 
scanning across the field. It's just, it's invisible, right? So there's, you know, your IR cutter, your screens, your noise reduction filters, stuff like that on the digital or the technology side that helps pretty much take the illuminated image that we can't see because it's past our visual light spectrum and spit it onto a TV screen so we can see it. Right? And that's that's in the digital IR side. And then as you grow, right, you're going through different wavelengths. But the next one, like thermal, and again, don't quote me on these numbers, but you're going to live at like, you know, 18,000, 20,000 nanometers, right? So you're, you know, visual light, very small window for us to be able to see red, green, blue, yellow, right? All those fun things. Actual red laser pointers, you know, 600, IR, 900, infrared, um, and then thermals, you know, 15 plus thousand out, right? So it it doesn't make sense necessarily connecting it all on one wavelength, but it's there. Um, but thermal is going to be more of an image sensing, right? And you can get into the weeds with, um, you know, cooled cores. Um, the the biggest the biggest things in my mind that, that help you get a lot of clarity, help you um, utilize your thermal products that we we make sure we put in there, right? Like your pixel size is going to give you more clarity. So like 12 micron pixel sizes or micrometer pixel sizes, smaller pictures, pixels, better detail on that TV screen, essentially. Um, there is some, you know, cost savings where we can hit better price points by marrying. And you got to just slow me down when you need to slow me down or skip to the next subject. Cause I could, I could talk about this for the next five hours of our lives, but um but that, I mean, what we focus on are those kind of smaller detailed specs. Um, the NATD spec, which is for English, right, is just your temperature variation detection range or abilities. So like our thermals, that TS-200 in your hands, that's going to be able to see like less than or equal to, I think it's 30 NETD, which translates to 0 0.05 degrees Fahrenheit. So 1 20th of one degree Fahrenheit is the temperature variation it can detect. So that's where you can go outside and you can look at a tree and you can see the branches, you can see the leaves, you can see the veins in the leaves, you can see, you know, you put your hand against the wall, you can see your your veins in your hand and stuff like that in the print. So it, it gives you a lot better clarity, um, but it gives you more time in those situations, tracking, scanning, stuff like that. It's gonna be a lot more sensitive, but again, it's, you know, you're thinking of like a black and white type where it needs to be really sensitive to give you that good clarity where in, you know, normal, non-digital real life, we get that clarity because in, you know, in a weird way, our eyes have really small pixel sizes we can pick up, right? But we have the color, we have the contrast, we have the shadings. So you kind of have to work a little, work a little harder on the thermal side or IR side to get that better clarity, um, which comes into play with the pixel size specs, um, you know, your, your NETD spec or your temperature variation detection spec. Um, and then you got Hertz, right? Your, your frame rates, right? So on digital, you kind of got to worry about, you know, if you're looking at a traditional IR or something like that, where it's amplifying surrounding light, not outputting light and putting it on a TV screen, right? So having a higher Hertz or refresh rate, right? You're eliminating all that lag that you would get from, you know, a digital product, so to say. And it's gotten a lot better over the years. It just those are those are those things that we can we can hone in on with our products, make them more cost effective, 
for the consumers, um, but still deliver a very good, clear quality product. Very good. I think I got all that. So, um, and just, you know, for if you never used one, uh, and realistically, I mean, we screwed around with the, I guess that was just kind of the reflex site. Um, yeah, that little compact one. Yeah, that's what we had up there in Michigan. But when I started screwing around with this one, this thing is so much smarter than I am. It's incredible. That doesn't say a lot, but it's, it's you're, you know, you're literally looking through this scope. I'm going to turn mine on here real quick. But there's like a computer screen, a little TV screen on the inside. So if you've never used one, um, this little screen pops up and then, you know, you get your crosshairs and everything and, and right away it'll start picking up heat on different stuff. Uh, and you know, the picture shows up and, and voila, you're ready to, to see what you're you know going after. Um, part of this, the learning curve, I think... Well, besides the fact that it's really, really smart and can do a lot of things, um, you know, it's not just like turn left, turn right to be up and down. And you, even when I was going to shoot it for the first few times, I had to figure out a way to get a target that was hot, right. Or warm enough that I could see it and and stand out. So I hung little, um, you know, hand warmers up there on my, my board, uh, just trying to get myself something to shoot at, which worked. It was fine. Um, yeah. Is, and but is there other ways when it comes to sighting thermals in? Because I I see somewhere you can buy like actual thermal sight or um, targets. Yeah, yeah, and we'll like. I mean, a lot of our products will come with like little. I don't have any on my desk, but they're they're essentially foot warmers, right? But they're just a solid circle. Um, I mean, I I use foot warmers quite a bit just because they already have the sticky side. You put it on a piece of cardboard, and you're good. Um, but I, I mean, I've cited these in with, you can have a nail, right? You just put a nail in the center cardboard, take a lighter, a torch, heat it up. It's going to show hot and your point of center for, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes. Um, I mean, I, I've cited in our reflexes by four, by just licking my thumb, putting it on the center of a normal target, stepping back, taking my time and being able to do it that way. But there are, there are thermal targets you can buy, um, they're expensive. Usually they're a one and done type of target. Um, I, you know, I would never, I wouldn't recommend them. I mean, they work great. It just, it's a lot of money for a one and done target when a foot warmer is going to do the same thing, when a nail will do the same thing and like tinfoil works well as, as well. So just that tiny heat differentiation with the tinfoil compared to the cardboard it's on. Um, so I've, I mean, I've used, um, like insulation tape essentially that's, tin foily but sticky on one side and just made an x um so there are there are a million ways to to kind of skin that cat but just always remembering that you need some kind of heat differentiation to be able to have as a you know a point of center reference point with thermals is is definitely critical to sighting them in and i'm gonna go through some of the questions that i've had along the way and i've been bothering you with i can shoot this during the day right assuming i have that heat source you know it's not going to damage it or anything like that yep so i mean you know before there was concern with longevity of those thermal cores um and you know durability of those thermal cores or thermal sensors um and really that is the most expensive part of the you know the product you got right now right like any thermal the cost driver is going to be the quality of that thermal sensor in it um but now the thermal cores we have, there is 
there is no differentiation between night and day, right? And a lot of that was solved by getting those those smaller temperature variation detection ranges, right? So the more the more the bigger range I can I can sense on that heat differentiation, the better detail clarity I'm going to have. Where at night, you know, not everything was getting heated up by the sun, so to say, right? Where during the day everything's heated up by the sun, so you you know years ago, right? You'd have some more blurriness, some more um, overflow of, you know, objects running into other objects where now it, it is, it's not a concern. It's not an issue at all, which is great. And in terms of thermal core longevity, I mean, these thermal sensors will outlast your, I mean, it, it will last 10 years longer than you ever want it to, because it's going to be 20 years old and there's going to be way cooler stuff out at that time anyways. Um, so it's, it's definitely come a long way. Um, it's still, I mean, that's the awesome part about thermal where we still have a long ways to go and it's exciting, right? Coming out with new products or reflex, you know, is a good example where we launched that last year. I mean, to think that something that small, compact, lightweight and versatile could have a detection range of 1500 yards. I mean, it wasn't possible five years ago, right? So there are, there are definitely some, some more cool, exciting stuff. And we got a couple fun things for you guys in the hopper next year, but um, that is the cool part about thermal. Like it's, it's still very much so growing. We're still discovering a lot of things we can do with the technology. Um, where with IR, we're fairly limited out right now. Um, you know, we'll get to see farther, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a different world and you, you can only shine a light so far, right? Even if it is invisible. Right. Let's talk about some of the uh, more basic uh, functions of this because that's where my brain is. Um, The first thing I noticed, because, you know, I just start screwing around, twisting knobs and different things, is that I've got like um, all these different color choices to choose from. Green hot, white white hot, is that what we're calling palettes? Blue hot, iron, adjustable red hot. So what's the difference on those? Is that just a preference on your eye or it I I would say it's almost entirely a preference. You can have like depending on your environment you're in, right? You can tailor that to a specific environment where red hot might work better, but it, it also ties into your reticle style and reticle colors, right? If I if I really if I mean with my eyes and I can see colors, but some people might not be able to see red right, where they need to have green, um, well, then I wouldn't use the green the green palette setting, right? And you might want to do a red hot setting where the background is red so you can clearly or better see that reticle and that contrast between, you know, essentially the, the optical um, image and that crosshair. Um, so it just, it, it helps tailor that product or the product to the, the customer, you know, across the board with, different eye capabilities, different preferences, stuff like that. Um, and you can tailor it to the environment. It just, the the level at which these scopes can see now and the clarity that you get, the tailoring your palette to your environment doesn't affect it very much at all anyways. Um, so I've never, I mean, I, I like white hot, right? And I like a green crosshair and it's, it's a good contrast for me. It looks very clear. Um, I think it is a clear palette. Um, of 
all the palette options, but it is just pretty much my preference at this point. So, you know, with all my thermals at home, all of our products, they are pretty much all set to white hot with a green reticle. And that's another thing. We can change the color of the reticle, right? How many colors? Yep. Eight, six? Reticle colors, reticle styles. So... You got 10 reticle styles. I want to say this one will have... What's that? This has 10 reticle styles, I think. Yep. 10 reticle styles, and they should have six reticle colors for those 10 different styles. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, It has the ability to zoom, right? So uh, obviously once you're focused... You got your knobs for focusing, but then you can zoom in and out, and that's really easy. I mean, it does a really nice job, keeps it clear and anything like that. Yeah, and that's, I mean, again, you know, comparing where thermals were even three years ago, and I mean, I, you know, some of our competitors, but that's the hard part with magnifying, especially on, on higher-powered thermals, right, where you're going to pretty much have your base optical magnification, and then everything past that is going to be a digital compound magnification right so in reality you're you're just magnifying you know you're taking a magnifier to a little tv screen right so that's where it's really important to have those small pixels and those better details in the scope where you can zoom in all the way and still get a clear image um, where before you know you'd have something that's you can go to 15 times magnification but it has a really low thermal sensor thermal core resolution and hot large pixels right so by the time you got to six times magnification it looked really pixelated really blurry by the time you got to 15 times magnification you you have no idea what you're looking at right um so i'm glad you say that but yeah i agree i mean that's you know those those are where those smaller details come come to play in as well more so just because um, of that magnifying factor of digital magnification over optical magnification um but yeah, I mean, in terms of the zoom, especially with these scopes, like these scopes were a little bit more of a challenge for us just because we like we have a very, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but we have a very keep it simple, stupid process in terms of operating a product, right? So you look at any of our products with the reflexes, with the scopes, um, even our night vision products, right? They they are very user friendly because nobody reads a manual out of the box, regardless if they spend $6,000 on a scope or not, right? So being able to pull these out of the box, turn out yourself, right? And you can, you know, these like these scopes. You got picture record, internal memory, stadiometric rangefinder, picture in picture, hotspot tracking. I mean, you got a lot of bells and whistles. You got the phone applications that can run everything that iPhone, Android, whatever. You can run it on a tablet. The Wi-Fi output, so it has its own Wi-Fi router in there, right? To connect to multiple platforms at the same time. It's got a 150 yard range on that Wi-Fi router. There's there's so much, but I think a lot of companies got caught up in all the, can I swear on this? All the cool shit you can put in here, right? And you just kept adding more buttons, more buttons, more buttons. And it it, it makes it very frustrating when you're in the field trying to hunt for something. You got to click four buttons before you can pull a trigger, right? So our goal is, you know, I if I have any buttons at all, I need to click, press, or do I, it, only one. Like I only get one. And 90% of the time, that's going to be your magnification, right? You know, your palettes, reticle styles, reticle colors, all that, all that back end stuff is going to happen ahead of time when you're in the field. Like, give me an easy way to access my magnification. And that's, that's all I want, right? So this is nice where on these, the TS200 that you have in the TS300, um, you have that, that smooth zoom on that right turret 
um, which is nice to be able to toggle through it that way. But you can also click on into the side of it. So there's it's a little button on the side of that turret that you can click in, and that'll toggle through your magnification as well. So you can do your smooth zoom, or you can click to toggle quicker. Um, but other than that, right, your left turret is the plug-and-play battery. Um, Rechargeable that, battery. Yeah, which that, that's been a – I mean, that was nice going through that learning curve four or five years ago where being able to have batteries that you can pop in and out in the field is huge. Um, cause I went through, I went through a year with the earlier products. We didn't have plug and play batteries. Um, and they died after five, six hours of running around. And then you, you got to plug it in and wait, right. Or use an ancillary battery pack. Um, so these are great. They all come with two batteries. You know, you run through five, six, seven hours. The first one dies or gets close, just pop it out, pop it in a new one. And you're good for another six, seven hours. Right. I went. I went a little down a rabbit hole. Oh no, no, no! You're one specific question. You are good. Uh, <laughs> you're covering a lot of these topics that I was thinking about. Um, all right. So when it comes to sighting it in, um, you got your heat source up there that you're shooting at. The now I'm. This is where I'm. My time screwing around with it has has stopped. But I I've been working off the 50 meter setting. Yep. Right. And then, because you don't have a left, right, up, down dial to screw, to mess with, you guys ha- you go in and you mess with the axis, right? So, yep. um, X, Y, yeah, you got your X axis, Y axis. If you need to go up or back or down or whatever, you just work with that. It's very easy. All that kind of stuff. Can you explain to me though? Because this has got I've only done the fifty meters, but it goes what a hundred, one fifty, two hundred. Does it go up to three hundred? I think it goes up to five hundred. Five hundred. Okay. So I think you got. 50, 100, 200, 300, 500. So does that essentially, you can set the settings for each one of those and then it's like, okay, at 100 meters, it's this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's. I mean, to be honest, right, it's a little overkill. Again, it, it's once we write the program, it's easy to put in there regardless and why not add more options if you want them. Great. They're there. If you don't, don't use them. Um, but yeah, and like in my mind, I, I you know, I'm not, especially most of my hunting, unless we go pig hunting down south, right? Most of my hunting is going to be like max of a 225, 250 yard shot, um, which keeps me in that sweet spot. So, you know, especially with like the 556 or 223 is the best example where if you get it sighted in at say 25 yards, right, you're going to have your point of impact, you know, crossing your your line of bore or your, your, sorry, your point line of sight crossing your line of bore at 25 yards right and you're going to have some raise yet on that bullet so you might raise i would say max of an inch and then it'll come down and you'll have a second um sight in essentially naturally with your caliber at about 225 so depending on you know like with the 200s and 300s you know they're you're going to bump up your calibers right? Compared to like the reflex, um, where you're running one to four times magnification, you know, on the TS 200, you have, you're running 2.3 to 9.2. Um, so you might want a 308, a 65, a 243, right. And even in an AR 10 platform or just a bolt, um, where you might want to stretch that out, but those are going to be, you know, you're going to be closer to that 50 meters where if I sight in my 308 at 50 or your, I don't know what the 65 is though. So I won't go down that road at all, but Say I sight in the 308 at 50 yards or 50 meters, 
I'm going to have that second point of impact or zero, you know, at like 205 meters. Right. So it's, that's, that's how I usually run it where I'm just running off my two points of impact. And then if I'm going, you know, 400 yards out, I'll have my selected BDC reticle or a reticle, one of those reticle options that I know where my four or 500 yard distance is going to be at the second crosshair. Right. So I, I'm a little more, I don't want to say old school, but a little more rudimentary on that front when I'm using our products in this sense. Um, but absolutely you could cite in, you could cite in different, so you can cite it in having different grains, right? You can cite it in using those different distances, or you can save sight ins for multiple different platforms. Um, but those distances are just kind of an extra, like, Hey, if I do want to confirm my zero at 50, confirm my zero at 250 and concern my confirm my zero at 500 you could set those site in saves to it so if you were in the field you could just switch to the 500 yard spec and know that you can put your crosshair straight on center gotcha makes sense so if i'm in the stand and i uh you know i'm, I'm basically planning for 50 yard shop and i got one at 100 i just click over to the 100 assuming it's all yeah you can I, again in my mind like you're going to be within an inch for sure, regardless. And my shooter ability or whatever you want to call that word is I'm, I'm happy within an inch regardless. So um, you could, you know, fine tune it more. That's where I said, it's a little overkill or if I sighted in at 50, I know I'm going to be on till probably 250, And then I might be an inch low at 300, which again, I don't care about. So I, in my mind, I am, I am high or low an inch or on from zero to 300 yards. And I'm, I'm not pulling a trigger past 300 yards, but those people that can and want to be more specific, they can, you know, cite in the 300 where, okay, I am driving attack at 300 yards. I'm not an inch low or two inches low, depending on your caliber and grains. Yeah. I don't have that problem. I I'm, I'm kind of more with you. Like it, (laughs) get me close. Um, cause it's never the gun's fault. I can guarantee that. Uh, yeah. Well, or the site. It's, it's been the gun's fault a few times on my side. I just, that's what I tell people. Yeah. Me, so. <laughs> um, I think, uh, hang on a second here. The coolest thing, and I've showed a lot of people this is the ability for it to go to your phone. And I know a lot of things nowadays have, uh, apps, everything's an app for that. Right. And, this thing, you hit the Wi-Fi, you log into it, you know, from the phone, the only thing you can't do is pull the trigger on the gun. Right. Uh, right. You start the recording, you can zoom in, you can change the settings, all this kind of stuff. And like you were saying, it does 150 yard um, Wi-Fi. So literally somebody could be sitting in a truck and you're 150 yards out controlling it from your phone, which is just insane. Uh, but I think the other thing that's really cool is that it gives you the ability to record that to your phone. Um, yeah. And I guess one question, does it, it has a memory card built in. So is it recording those videos to the memory card as well? Yep. So you got 16 gigabytes built in memory in the scope. So you can either, I mean, you can manage it on your phone. I mean, what I do is just every time I come back from a hunt, I'll just clear the scope, save them on my, well, save them on my phone and clear the scope. But yeah, there is internal memory there as well. You pull the memory card out then and clear it off of there? No, no. So you it. can either do it via your phone or tablet or whatever is connected from the Wi-Fi, um, or you can connect it, you know, plug it in with the cords it comes with to your laptop gotcha. as well. So a couple options on cleaning there, but 
But yeah, so I'm not super tech savvy, but that part of it, you know, to get to your phone, do a quick editing. I sent you over the video, the groundhog that was causing yeah. disruption in my backyard. Um, I will touch on that real quick. It's posted on our Go Wild account. Um, I think it's on Instagram unless they've censored it off. But um, that was the middle of the day. I had a groundhog at about 50 yards. And I was, you know, i comfortable with where that scope was hitting when I was practicing. So I was like, I want to give it a, a real shot. And um, yeah, he that thing exploded. Now the gun caliber, probably a little bit too big for a groundhog, but the the visual of it when you see the guts flying out the back and you can see pieces and parts of this thing flying all over and through the screen and through the video yeah it's not a blur like you can see legit chunks it's picking up the heat yeah. from that that was that was insane to me also funny was the cat that was hiding in the bushes behind me that I didn't really realize the cat was there uh, and and I don't think the cat really realized what what was happening either it took <laughs> took off running the other direction but um, that no, it, it's did you, did you have ballistic tips on? Yes, that helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They did a. I had a one of our pro staffers send me a video. God, it might have been a year ago now, but um, he had a three hundred eight with ballistic tips, and he shot a coyote with it, and it was very, very similar to your groundhog, just a little more bits and pieces flying through the air. So it's it's insane. Yeah, that's a good video. So. Um, man, I'm sure there's like a million and a half other questions I'll have for you, but, uh, well, just, just oh, go ahead. Just real quick, Andrew, to touch, I mean, with your, you know, the Wi-Fi comment and stuff like that, right. I mean, our, the only, when we launched thermals the first time, the only thing that had Wi-Fi and then the picture record internal memory and stuff was that TM 100 or thermal mono. Um, and it, I mean, you know, definitely user feedback in terms of like there are people that want the picture record right and they're gonna they're gonna pay whatever to just have the picture record but we had quite a bit of times i mean the nice part about my job is we get to go qualify test and i mean we usually have a year cycle between getting our first production or pre-production units in finalized and just getting to beat them up go on testing hunts we'll call them um and and get that you know real life field user experience um at least that's my excuse to ownership to keep going on hunts right but um but it it does it it a it not only ticks our boxes in terms of or checks our boxes in terms of knowing like okay like yeah i did i threw it in the water and i left it there for 45 minutes our ip 67 dust proof waterproof rating is valid because it you know that's setting the bar at 30 minutes right especially when you're going in Texas and stuff like that, you are putting these things through not good conditions. Um, but the the big part of that in terms of Wi-Fi, right, and going through a year or so without having Wi-Fi capabilities and being able to share it, there's, there's a lot of moments and then trying it out with some where if, yeah, I mean, you brought it up exactly. You're you're running around in a side-by-side, a truck, right? You can send one guy out to scan a field. Everybody can see the same thing. We have a, <clears throat> we did the last time we went out is just set up a tablet um, with the Wi-Fi on the scope. It was actually the mono, but hooked up the Wi-Fi with the mono, set the tablet in there. One person just runs out and everybody in the truck can see the tablet on the front, you know, console and see everything that's happening. So it, it does kind of help 
bring your group together, but we also noticed and me going out with friends and, and industry people, right? There's usually only one, maybe two people in the group that has the really nice thermal, right? The 640 by 480 or 400, I mean, the better thermal end and being able to have everybody connect their phones or their tablets or whatever, and just having one guy that can cover a thousand, 2000 yards out and getting onto the pigs and getting into that, you know, four, three, two hundred yard range where everybody else can use it then for their own products. So it was a, it was a nice learning curve, but yeah, definitely the Wi-Fi is, it, it, it makes it a better hunt, makes it easier, makes, you know, the the connection with other devices, but also the people that you're going hunting with is, is great. Yeah. Um, For sure, man. Um, well, we'll get you on again here to talk about the rest of the product line, right? We kind of focus on this yeah. TS200 scope here. Uh, we're going to give it a whirl down there in Oklahoma and then uh, actually maybe in, and Missouri, um, and then come back and maybe we can talk about what else is, uh, you guys have going on over there at X-Vision, if that sounds good to you. Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. Well, Sawyer, I appreciate your time today. And uh, yeah, I'm look pretty, exci- pretty excited to get out there and, and give, it a, give it a shot. Oh, so. We'll touch base before you start pulling the trigger again, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, good luck and have fun for sure. It is, it is so much fun to use the thermals, pig hunts, coyote hunts. Um, yeah, no, I'm sure you'll have plenty of fun. Thanks. Appreciate it. Perfect. We'll talk to you soon, Andrew.